Doom da doom doom da doom doom da doom doom da doom da doom da 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 Um, Schmalky, don't you realize I am trying to do my show? Yes, I understand that, but wait. What is your problem, Schmalky? Do you know what you're talking about tonight? Oh, how much he knows? Of course he knows. He's going to talk about the, the Tisha B'Av Rebbe. He's going to talk about the Tisha B'Av... Uh... Um, Beryl, I hate to break the news to you. No, I'm not talking about Tisha B'Av. I'm not talking about Tisha B'Av Rebbe. I'm not talking about Tisha Rebbe. I'm going to talk about today on, of course, the Parsha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not the Parsha. Not this week. Maybe next week. But this week we got some great, valuable, amazing stories. You know, it's amazing your sites that I saw coming up. As well as one of the people that passed away. A reminder to everybody on, um, just a reminder to everybody that this Motsi Shabbos... We start the same Talumata Levracha, so make sure to forget. I mean, to remember. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the yard sites, what I found out. And believe it or not, Rev Yehuda Hanasi was one of them. And I think it's amazing things that it's unbelievable how much people can accomplish in their lifetime. So this is what we're talking about. Also, I don't know if everybody's aware, I'm aware of it. Unfortunately, we lost a uh, valuable Tamil Chacham, one of the biggest Tamil Chacham, Meir Chadash. Meir Chadash, Zechrein Levracha, the Mashkiach of Meir Yeshiva, Yishalayim, and This is going to be baby Zechus Zech Nishmas for him Neshama Anyway, let's talk about the story The Nacht Before called Nidre The Nacht Before called Nidre? You're talking about Yom Kippur now? What are you? Moishi, what are you talking about Yom Kippur now? I'll answer you absolutely not talking about Yom Kippur I'm absolutely talking about just a part of the story, what I need you guys to understand is in this story. So let's start. Please, the Amshanova Rebbe, like the couple asked the priest. Rebbe, ask the priest who respects you to delay until after Yom Kippur. It was the last moments before Yom Kippur and the Yidden of Amshinov, of the town of Amshinov. Amshinov is a big town where they had a lot of Yidin and the priest there wasn't such a uh, highly man. But it was the last moments before Yom Kippur and the Yidin of Amshinov, they were so busy preparing before Yom Kippur, the heiligest day, the holiest day of the year. They were so busy doing their chores doing what they needed to to prepare for Yom Kippur. Well, the shul of the Amshan of Rebbe, Rebbe Nachum Kalish, was packed. It was packed. Well, what do you expect from such a tzaddik shul? Wall to wall. It was so packed, you couldn't see the other side of the wall. And they were saying to Hillam and broken hearted. Right? And they were crying before Yom Kippur and doing their al hates, right? So, you know, back back then back then they didn't have what they have now. They didn't have all this technology, but they did have the sincerity. 
the the Edelkeit. And that's the most uh, most important thing. And the Rebbe, for some mysterious reason, wasn't there. The Rebbe wasn't there. What could have been going on with the Rebbe? What happened with the Amshan of a Rebbe? They figured, did the Rebbe go away? What happened to the Rebbe? And, and the Rebbe is still not there. It's getting later. It's getting later. It's getting later. It's getting later. Getting much later. And the Rebbe is still not there. The Rebbe is still not there. They're getting worried. Saying to each other, is the Rebbe going to come? Are, are we certain the Rebbe is going to come? And the Rebbe has to come. I mean, he's the Rebbe of the show. He's the Rebbe. We can't start without him. And the Rebbe didn't show up. And in the Rebbe's room in the meantime, his wife, children, grandchildren were there to receive the bracha when suddenly they heard knocking on the front door. Come in. The family members were frightened. Who could it be at such a time? So Robinson walked quickly to the door, opened it. In the doorway stood the village blacksmith and his wife. The Rebbe told them, come in, sit down, I'll pour you a drink. And she said, no, I have to tell you. She said, calm down, relax. Their son, a young man, my son, a young man, for several years, he did whatever he felt like doing, ignoring our parental advice. He spent a lot of time with Goyim, and he's behaving like them. Now, it got so bad, he wants to convert to Christianity. At first, the parents assumed, at first we assumed that they were joking. We thought for sure he was joking. But he told me in the morning on Yom Kippur that he's going to go and convert to Christianity. We came to beg the Rebbe, save us from this, at least request from the priest, who's known to have respect for you, to delay the disgusting ceremony until after Yom Kippur. How can it be a Yom Kippur when the Dayish people is thinking for uh, their devotees, tshuva, that our child will be converted Going away from Yishkei. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. What a tragedy. <laughs> and the parents were crying. And crying away. And nothing could cheer those parents up. The Amshan of Rebbe listened carefully to every word. Without saying anything. He turned to his mother. To the Rebbe. And asked her to have his daughter-in-law Sarla write a letter in his name to the head priest of the town to push it off. And Sarala succeeded in penning the letter. She wrote a letter that surprised quickly everybody. The Rebbe asked his main attendant to bring it. Rebbe Yudol, come, bring this letter. Bring this letter as fast as you can to the priest. It has to arrive there as quick. The Rebbe took out his pocket watch and began to count the seconds. One, two. And everybody was thinking, this is very strange. What is he going to count to? Till Yom Kippur starting? And he's counting. And a few minutes came back. Rebbe Yudel, Rebbe Yudel said, Rebbe, he agreed. The priest agreed. He agreed to push it off. And the parents were so happy. They thanked the Rebbe from the bottom of their soul and the bottom of their heart that Baruch Hashem, they were able to push off this conversation. And the shul, the people in shul were going back to shul 
People were very nervous. Sun was setting. And in the last moment, before it goes down, before the sun went down, the Rebbe entered with his white robe. And Talis was a spudic, adding his majesty, looking very nice. As soon as the Rebbe reached his place, Rabbi Yisrael Yitzchak, the Chazan, began in a trembling voice to call Nidre. Throughout Yom Kippur, davening in the shul, it was always thrilling. But this year seemed so powerful. Even the simplest Yid was able to feel such a halakite. The sun set towards the end of the fast, towards the end of Yom Kippur. Nila, the Rebbe, sat at the head of the large table, served for the shul, post Yom Kippur meal, after Yom Kippur, surrounded by his chassidim, the Rebbe's face was shining with joy, with happiness, like a king. In the eyes of the chassidim, it was a clear sign that the davening has been accepted. Suddenly everyone was startled as the doors of the shul slammed open and banged against the wall. And burst in a young man with bushy hair, wrinkled, ragged yarmulke perched precisely on his head. And he ran to the Rebbe's table, threw himself out of the floor and said, Rebbe, help, save me. It was the son of the blacksmith. He continued a voice choked. I'm completely torn up inside. I regret so much I did almost did, Rebbe. I promise. I'm never going back there again. And the people there did not know the identity of this person. And a handful of the Hasidim managed to find out who he is. And after and after all the trouble and anguish he caused before Yom Kippur. To his parents, the Rebbe and the entire congregation, he has the nerve to come here? They were saying upon themselves, how dare he? And the Rebbe sensed what they were talking about. He said to the lad, and extended his hand for a shake. He brought him back with him to his place, poured him a cup of wine, say the bracha with me on the wine, he said, and say l'chaim. The boy did as he was told, and the Rebbe answered, Amen. And that was the first encounter of the Mashanov Rebbe with this boy. And there were many more. He davened with such earnskite ever since. The Mashanov Hasidim liked to say that during the Rebbe's reputation and efforts, he was successful in delaying a conversion ceremony, but that this mistake and distant neshama could be returned. So think about Kindlech. You could be so far away in Yiddishkeit and but but you could return. You could return. Shem will always accept you. Shem always accepts tshuva. Shem always accepts tshuva. You do something, Shem will make sure to forgive you. You just have to ask. The next story, everybody knows Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. I don't have to say much about Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. And, uh, and uh, I don't have to say much about him that you know. But there is one story that uh, struck me rich. It struck me very interesting. A very interesting story that I read upon. And I'm going to share this with you. Is everybody ready for me to share the story? I'm waiting for people to tell me when they're ready. I'm ready. You're ready. Okay, everybody's ready for the story. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, as we know, was the son of Rav Shem Ben Gamliel. He was an elected Nasi, right? After the death of his father, 
his father passed away, and the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, obviously everybody knows this, hopefully, that Rabbi Yehuda Anasi is called in the Mishnah, you boys all know, Rebbe. He's called Rebbe. This Rabbi Yehuda Anasi is called Rebbe. He was wealthy. He had a lot of money. Fine. And he said many things in the Mishnayis. And Baruch Hashem for the Mishnayis, because without the Mishnayis, I don't think many of us will know Halacha. There's many things that Rabbi Yehuda Anasi said. And one of them is, when a Yid performs a mitzvah, he shouldn't rejoice over the mitzvah alone. Because one mitzvah brings another. So, likewise, when somebody doesn't have Eira, unfortunately, and this is what Rabbi Yehuda Anasi said, this was his teaching. Another thing, another interesting thing Rabbi Yehuda Anasi says, one should never consider himself great, too great to learn with somebody who's younger or more unavdik than himself. And Rabbi Yudha Nasi showed through an example. The Torah is like water and water, just as water, water can last. An older person should not be ashamed and is not ashamed, right? A Zaydi is not ashamed to ask little Yankala for a drink. So it's like you're older, you shouldn't be ashamed. Shouldn't be ashamed to learn with somebody. Now, there are many stories in the Talmud and the, the Gemara and the Medrash that Rabbi Yehuda Anasi had a great friendship with the Roman emperor. Let's see if everybody knows. No, it wasn't Chagai. Stop it, it wasn't Chagai. Antininus. The emperor's name was Antininus. And the emperor, Antininus, used to visit the Rebbe's house. We want to hear from the beginning of that story. Well, that's for a different time. Oh, you do want to hear from the beginning. So the beginning of the story is, Antininus and Rebbe go back a way long time ago, many, many years before this story happened. And it happened that the they switched places for a little while because the Romans were looking for bris to see if the baby had a bris. And they found out, in reality, really Antininus switched with Rebbe Yehuda Anasi. And Rebbe Yehuda Anasi was in the guy's house. And Antininus was in Rabbi Yehuda Nossi's family's house. And you know what happened? They couldn't find it. So this is how the friendship really started many years ago. Now, this emperor used to visit and used to visit Rabbi Yehuda Nossi. So he always wanted, the king always wanted, right? It's embarrassing for a king to ask Rabbi Yehuda Nossi uh, the king uh, you know, to ask him for advice so he didn't want anybody to suspect that he's asking advice so one of the times Antoninus sent a messenger to the Rebbe with a question the treasury is empty what should we do Rebbe Yudha called the messenger into his garden where he uprooted the plants uprooted plants and replace them with other plants. The messenger from the palace watched in amazement and said, What reply should I give my master? He asked. <laughs> Rabbi Yudanasi didn't answer. And the Roman messenger returned to his emperor, to Antoninus, and telling him that the Rebbe refused to answer. Antoninus, however, asked the messenger, Did Rabbi Yudanasi do any action? And uh, the messenger said, yeah, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, the rabbi, he took his garden, plants, and replaced it. And the emperor understood the message. He dismissed several of his people. And appointed others. And then the treasury was full again. 
What's pshat? You might think. What's pshat? Our son that got four was a bracha? No. The pshat is as a... The messenger... The, what really was happening was... Rabbi Yehuda Anasi is telling them... I'm uprooting the tree. And this is the way it's understood. I was uprooting the tree. Why I was uprooting the tree? Because you should get rid of other officials who are not honest. And therefore, you're going to have money in your treasury because you're going to have the honest workers. And fine, very good. And the emperor and the rebel, Rabbi Yudanasi, it was a great friendship. They visited each other. And they argued. Rabbi, Rabbi Huda was asked by Antoninus once, how can it be that Neshama be punished in the next world? The Neshama could say, how can I be to blame? I was holy. I was in a body that sinned. Not, I, I didn't sin. I didn't do the Avera. It was my body. But on the other hand, the body's going to say, how could I be guilty? Without the Neshama, I could not have sinned. Because it's the Neshama that gives life to the body. Rebbe replied with a, with a great response and a mushal. And I listened to this mushal. It's an unbelievable, amazing mushal. And you're going to learn something out of it. Mamish, amazing mushal. Mamish, amazing mushal. So, here it is. There's a man... Man owned a nice orchard, nice garden. A beautiful garden? A beautiful garden. How beautiful. Shmulky, we're not talking about beautiful gardens here. But he owned a nice place where there were trees. And he had two guards. What was their names? Shmulky and Shmurl. I don't like that name. It's not nice. Okay, okay, okay. What should we name the guards, Shmulky? Taffy and Laffy. Ridiculous. I'm looking at your candy. That's what I thought. But that is a ridiculous name. Okay, Laffy and Taffy. My, seriously, Schmucky, another name. Come on, come on with some uh, original name. Dovey and Bovey? Oh, Schmucky, okay, I don't need you. Anyways, one of the watchers was very blind. Ouch! What happened? I bumped into the wall. You said he was blind. Um, Shmulky, let me tell the story. It's much funnier when I tell the story. You are. Uh, that's true. Anyways, the other was lame. The lame man was able to see the fruit, but he couldn't reach. He told him, carry me on your shoulders, he told the blind guy, and lead me to that tree. And the owner noticed what happened. The fruit is being gone. Hmm. Something's fishy. Uh-oh. I used to have 600 grapes. Now I only have 550. The next day, 530. Something's wrong here. Uh, Laffy? Taffy? Yes? Yes? Have you been eating my grapes? No. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, of course not. I mean, of, no, of course not. And the blind man said, What do you mean? I'm blind. I can't see where the fruit is growing. And the lame servant said, What do you mean? I can't move my leg, you know that. And the lame servant said to the owner that uh, he's lame. <laughs> so how can he reach? So the owner said, He placed the lame man on the shoulders of the blind man and then punished them together. And this is what the Rebbe said. Hashem does this with the human body. We have a neshama. Yeah, we have a neshama. What's the shot? Neshama could say, uh, you could say the argument. 100% neshama, yes, yeah, say your argument. 100% say your argument. But remember one thing. It's not going to work, the argument. Because you have the power, Hashem says to us, we have the power to overcome our desire. And the only way we can overcome our desire, Kindleh, everybody knows, is by looking at Torah. By reading the Torah, by learning Torah, 
living Torah. I always say, this is nothing to do with the Rebbe, it's nothing to do with Rebbe Yudan, I'll see, this is my own saying, and I always say this, I always say that it's not enough being a Yid. Live, be, live, not enough live being a Yid. You have to live a Yid lifestyle, meaning live being a Yid, that's not enough. Everybody's living being a Yid. You have to be a Yid that's alive to show everybody what a Yid really is about. What is a Yid really about? Well, a Yid is about serving Hashem. When somebody asks you to do something, you say, sure. If somebody criticizes you, say, nice and I'm sorry. But what if, what if the guy curses me out? So what if the guy curses you out? It's very simple. You ignore it and walk on in life. Wow. I'm wondering. Sure. Keep up. Uh, you have any more questions? Another question. Go ahead, Schmolke. I'm listening. I have a question. Go ahead. My question is, so I go on a city bus. Okay. And I go on a city bus and I tell him, don't tell the driver thank you. Is that Kiddush Hashem? Is that Hashem? Oh, it's a good question. I'm going to say to that that it's neither, but it's nicer to say, it's nicer to say, and you'll be making a Kiddush Hashem if you say good morning to the driver, good afternoon to the driver. Is that all your questions, Shmulki? Yeah, that's all my questions. Okay, good. Rabbi Yehuda Anasi was sick for so many years and he was cured. <coughs> and this is what happened. This is how it happened, how he became cured. How did Rabbi Yehuda Anasi become cured? He was sick. Rabbi Yehuda Anasi was walking Rebbe was walking through the base medrash when a calf was going to be shechted, broke loose, and came upon Rebbe and asked Rebbe, Rebbe, said the calf, please, please save me. And the Rebbe said, Rebbe, you don't have to say, no, this is what you're created for. And Hashem decided, since he said that to the calf, this is what you were created for, to be shafted, He that's why he had to suffer. So a maid servant in Rebbe's house was once cleaning a room when she found the newly born weasels. She wanted to put them out of the house, but Rebbe said to her, Hashem has pity on all his creatures, he said, and human beings must follow his example. Leave the weasels here. A Bosco came that just as Rebbe had pity, so should the pity be on upon him. And Rebbe Yehuda Anasi became very sick and near to death. The Rebbeim, the Tzadikim, the Tanoim, Davin for him. And they sent a Rebbe. And the Rebbe's name was called Bar Kaporo. To see how Rebbe was doing, how was Rebbe Yehuda Anasi feeling? And when he arrived, he learned the Rev, Rev Yehuda Nasi died. Bar Kapara rent his clothes as a sign of mourning. Good morning! No, no, not that type of mourning. Mourning means uh, Avelis. And returned to the Rabbanim, and he broke the news to them with the remark. The Malachim have struggled with us human beings for the Arn. The Malachim have been victorious. I captured the Aaron. The Rabbanan asked, did, did he die? And Bakar said, you spoke it. I don't want to say any bad news. And Kindalach, that's what we can learn from Rabbi Yudanasi. The most important achievement of Rabbi Yudanasi is though, the addition of, as you know, the Mishnah. And As you know, the Torah, Moshe Tzakev Al Torah, and uh, all the way down, the Kainim, Nevi, and it goes down to Nevi and Suvim. 
and and it goes back all the way down. And Rabbi Yudanosi wrote this all down. The Gullus, Rabbi Yudanosi saw that the Gullus is going to happen, and this is not a good sign for Yidim. Yidim one might forget, and the Yidim forgetting is not a good sign. So that was one, that was, that's what I want to say about Rabbi Hudanasi. Now, now, now let's say something about this week's Parsha. Let's end off with this week's Parsha. Rabbi Hudanasi. We talk about, for example, Rabbi Hudanasi was a, such a Tama Chacham. And you know, it's such an amazing thing to see that, you know, a Talmud Chacham spend his time. Yes, even Talmud Chacham make mistakes. Tzadikim make mistakes. They're not perfect in Allahim. Hashem doesn't require Yidin. Hashem doesn't require us to be. Um, Hashem doesn't require us to be malachim. Hashem requires us to be human beings. Decent human beings. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be that, uh, you know, we're, we're Yidin. Hashem gave us Hashemah. Hashem gave us things that we can uh, think about. How many people do we know? How many people do you know that have sicknesses you know one of the amazing yard sites that I saw recently is the Margaret of Ms. Rich the Margaret of Ms. Rich of Dover. He was known as the Magid. And he was a student of, take a guess, uh, the Balshamtov. That's correct. The student of the great Balshamtov. And listen what happened. There's very little known. Very little known about. The the uh, Dover, the Magos is, um, is rich. One of the stories about him, Rav, the Rav Dover, Magid of Mizrich, is the Magid became the Balshamtov's student, and he passed by Mizrich with great difficulty. The messenger found the Magid small and neglected home and entered the Rebbe's door. The visitor found Ravdover seated on a block of wood and before him were students seated on planks of wood. As the Maga was in the middle teaching, the visitor agreed to return later and when he found the scene changed, the Tamidim went home, the table had been converted into a bed Adamaga was still there on the block of wood studying alone. The visitor could not hide his astonishment. Oh my goodness, what happened? I am far from wealthy, he said, but in my home you'll find a chair, a bench, a bed. At home, replied the host, one indeed needs a chair, a bed, a table, and a lamp, but on a journey things are different. To the Magas dwelling was not his home. Here on earth, he was built to more go through. We're not here on earth, and this is the important lesson you can learn from him. The Magid Mizrich pointed out that we're not here forever. We're here on a journey. What's our journey? Who knows our journey? Only Hashem knows why we're here. But we're here for to serve Hashem. Everybody has their own way to serve Hashem. Some ways are different than others. 
Some people learn more than others. That's correct, Smokey. Some people make jokes more than others. That's right, Beryl. Some people eat more than others. That's right, Mo What? How dare you say such things about me? But anyways, so this is the Magad. We're on a journey. Uh, there is one of the Tamidah Chachamim that I know. I remember. reading stories that he used to have a suitcase filled with clothing to go to Eretz Yisrael. You imagine, imagine a suitcase. What in the world? What does he need this for? And what he needed it for is to go to Eretz Yisrael just in case Mashiach comes. And you might look at me like, oh, are you nuts? We mean no suitcase in case Mashiach comes. But he's not here yet. We'll be back when he comes. No. That's the shot. No. We don't pack things when somebody comes. Pack it before he comes. Poor person is going to come to your door. You have the food ready before he comes. Anyways. The Magid later on had a foot that hurt and his left foot and he was sick. And one of the causes of the first meeting with the Pashantov Well, here's one of the meetings. The Chachamim sat together in 1752. The Magid had doubts whether to undertake the journey. The rumors that spread by the opponents of the Hasidim tried to make him stop. But the Balshantov and his replies made the Magid come and pulled the Magid closer to him. And the Magam is rich of the Ober. It was a long. It was a long way to Mezabish. This caused him so much pain and began to regret his decision. He consoled himself. And he was going to hear great words of the Balshemtiv. The Balshemtiv took in his visitor and told him. a short story and the interview ended. They met again on the second day and again the Baal told him only a short story. Ravdovber to him everybody's uh, everything moment was precious. Couldn't understand what a shot why what was happening. But before he could leave a messenger came from the Baal to asking Ravdovber Come to the master's house. My master wants you. And he arrived. The Baal Shem Tov asked him, Are you very good in Torah? On receiving the reply, the Baal Shem Tov said, Are you very familiar with the teachings of the Zayar? And again, Yes, Rav Dober said. The Baal Shem Tov said again, Asked again, To interpret the what a Pusik that says, Eitz Chaim Hilem the work of the Kabbalah. Rav Dober carefully examined the Pasuk. Rav Dober thought again and took away his statement. The meaning of this Pasuk is that instead, should you have a different interpretation, tell me. At this, the Balshantov read the passage from As the Balshantov read and spoke, it seemed to the Magad as though the whole house became full of light. It appeared to the Magad as though he actually saw Malachim. Afterwards, the Baal Shem Tov said, your interpretation was correct, but there's no neshama in your learning. There's no thing in your learning. Abdul Ber remained with the Baal Shem Tov for another few days. The, but there's reports that only show, that have been reported, that the Ma'agid only visited twice. And the second time, he remained for six months. Abdul Ber related that the Baal Shem Tov taught him everything about anything. When he wished to return home, the Balshanta did not agree and delayed him several times. When asked why he was de being delayed, the Balshanta said, as long as the Maga was with him, his own mind was a good well, was gushing water. Though Rav Dober may not have been the Balshanta, he has not seen the Balshanta. And they remained in touch. 
through messengers. Rav Bar served in one of the Hasidim. And here is the time, now we're going to the time where he becomes Maggid of Mizrich. During the period with the Bashantav and his becoming leader of the Hasidim, Rav Bar was appointed Maggid, storyteller. That's how you are, that's correct. The Hasidic center was moved from Mezhebesh. Rav Bar was to remain leader of the Hasidim. Within three months of the beginning of the Magad's ruling, a great Hasidic movement started. And of course, like the Baal Shem Tov, you have to love your fellow Jew. Avas Yishol is the most important thing. And in 1772, Rav became very sick. He told the Chavar Kedisha, you know, I'm going to be dying. And that's when he uh, that's when he passed away. Another story of the Maga of the that was just his life story. It's a traveler. Among the followers Rav Yisrael Bashantov the Bashantov had a special empathy for simple Yidin. And at the conclusion of one such uh, visit the Bashantov requested him Please, on your way home, stop by Mizrich. The villager was overjoyed. And he stopped by. As soon as he arrived at Mizrich, he began to inquire after the tzaddik of Dober, but no one seemed to know of the great Rav Dober. Finally, someone said that uh, he tried a certain Rav Dober, a school teacher who was poor, who didn't have any money. And he said, okay, fine, I'm going to look. And he looked for him. And they found him in the base marriage. Dober greeted his visitor and begged his forgiveness. Perhaps his guest could return later in the day when he finished teaching his students. When, when the villager returned that evening, the hut's classroom. The classroom, that's where they had the classroom in the hut. Hachoo! Hey. No sneezing. The planks and blocks and now had been arranged as beds. Ravdober sat on it, greeted the visitor and begged and begged the visitor to stay. The villager could no longer contain himself. Angrily about the poverty, he said, Revy, what can I say? How can you live like this? I myself am far from wealthy, but at least I have. You'll find some chairs and a table and a bed. Indeed, Rabbi Dober said. But why, don't you see? Look, I have furniture. I have a bed. I have a chair. What do you mean you have? Do you think I schlep my furniture along wherever I go? Listen, when I travel, I make to do with what's available about home. A person said, But Rabbi Dober said, We're all travelers, don't you understand? Another one. Want another one? Another story. Another story. We only have 12 minutes left. I want to say something on Parshat Vayishlach. Vayishlach, Malachem, Lefonov, Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu sent Malachim to Esau, and you don't know. You all know it rushes through, the Torah rushes through. The Torah rushes through the Esau's, all the of things. But, think about, Yaakov is sending messengers. What's shot? Were they real Malachim? I'm not going to get into detail. Were they real Malachim, not real Malachim? But the fact is, that as much as Esau hated Yaakov, Yaakov didn't hate Esau. What do I mean? Yaakov loved Esau, but hated what Esau is doing. And Lamaisa, he said, what can I do to make up? You know, is it my fault? 
Is it my fault Hashem made me like this? And that's the way we have to live. The way we have to live as Yidin. The way we live as Yidin. At Yishlach Yaakov, Malachim, Lafon of Esau, and Lamaisa, the Torah, where it says that uh, there was sent, messengers were sent, food, drinks, everything. But we have to understand one thing Hashem rules the world, Hashem is in charge of the boat. Hashem runs the boat. He runs the boat? He runs the boat. And that's what we need to understand. You know, been a many times. Asa, Sainali Yaakov. That's the way it is. And that was the story. I'll end up with the story of the Magid of Mizrich. There was a young Unmarried Chassid, mayor, came to Rav Dober, the Magid, and when a time to take, when he left, he was admitted to the Rebbe's room and complained about all the difficulties that was happening. Go in peace, said the Rebbe. Go in peace. And accept the first marriage that's coming to you. And on his way home, the young man spent the night in a village inn. Being cold from his journey, he found a seat. He tried to be unobtrusive, but the mischief maker spotted him and asked him where he was from and, and what was his business. Gave them the name of his hometown, told them that he had just visited the market. What do you want from the Rebbe? What did he answer you, they asked. He told them, I, have the Rebbe, I asked the Rebbe to pray for me to get married. At this, uh, one of the people said, Excellent, I've got a first-class match for you. My sister is a young person, and she just got divorced. She has a dowry, a cloth, of a hundred silver ruble. And she's here right now. If you agree, we can do it right now. And now, in fact, this good-for-nothing was in no way related to the young woman. She was the daughter of the wealthy innkeeper, who was not at home at the time. Mary answered, Fine. The prankster ran into the kitchen. I explained the joke to her and asked her to play a role, saying it would be excellent to the inn's business. And they were, she of course agreed, very innocently. The band was drinking away, l'chayim, and making a chayzik, making a fool out of the this, this Talmud. Why don't we arrange the ceremony straight away? Then we can throw away a great party. And one of the friends accepted. But none of our crowd knows how to draw up the contract. Mayor overhearing them said, I'll do it. And he made the contract. And his companions were now overjoyed at such a joke. <laughs> Look at that joke we made out of him. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> What a joke! What a joke! <laughs> they were having the best time of their life. And the young man approached the incubator and said, um, How do you do, my father in law? The incubator said, Father in law? What are you talking about? Um, last night, I married your daughter. What? What do you mean? Those people don't understand over Ksuba. And he slapped the Tama across the face. And he changed his tone. And said, Please give a divorce. I'm sorry, Mayor. You can't. The whole crowd may have been a, make you a fool. But I wasn't being make a fool. You see... My Rebbe told me, the Maga Mizrich told me, take the first marriage that comes my way. And I did. And the innkeeper realized he had no option and traveled to Mizrich. And one day, 
he told them as the market. One day I was away. I came home and his papa believed a band of jokers. And they made a and she married he married my my daughter. I'll discuss the matter with the with the young man, said the market. When the innkeeper returned a few hours later, the market told him so I discussed the divorce of the young man, and he agreed, provided they give him a thousand silver ruble. But what about your daughter? What about your daughter? She should get married already, shouldn't she? I shall gladly accept whoever you recommend, Rebbe, said the innkeeper. Well, this new person, the, this person who's supposed to be has only one thing. He's poor. You see, you just gave him 1,000 rubles. This is a match made in heaven. And with that, they made a chayim. And it was a real wedding. It was a real simcha. And that, Kindlech, I'm going to end off. Have a great, wonderful night. Remember, this month of Shabbos, V'sein Talim Matar, Bez Hashem, tomorrow, Friday, every Friday, 1 to 2.30, I'm on Jira Radio. You can listen, Naki Radio. You could listen by calling 718-506-9099. And here's a Parsha question. The Parsha question is, as I, is like this. What was so hard in knowing that, I mean, it's not really this week's, but I think it's last week's, that what was so hard in knowing about Rachel and Leah? We all know that Leah had a simon, Rachel, then, uh, Rachel had the simon first and gave it to Leah. What the question really is, I'm asking, you see a big difference between Rachel and Leah. Figure out the difference. Text your answer to 347-927-3279. Have a great night, everybody. I hope you enjoy the speech and the stories. I hope you were inspired and have a great, wonderful night.